Yeah, I um I I love this I love this truth. Um, but I have to tell you when I first studied when I started studying about what we were going to be talking about today, um, when you add the words "not us" to Jesus is the center of the story, not us, I was like, mm, that kind of stings a little bit because yeah, there is an ouch to it because I think there are plenty of times in my life that I've wanted it to be about me, or I thought it was about me, and this clearly is pointing us back to that it's not. Um, in fact, we have, it's one of our two theological values here at Pulpit Rock, where we say Jesus is at the center of everything, um, but clearly when those last two words get added, it changes things, and so um, what it did actually, though, is it caused me to go back to my younger self, and what did I, when we're talking about rethinking the Bible and uh, we use the word dismantle and uh, untangle sometimes things that we have thought we were believing in our, with our younger selves and our stories to where we are today. Um, when it comes to the Bible, when I look at the little Cindy that existed, the younger Cindy, um, I feel like the Bible for me was divided into three parts. Uh, I, I don't remember any Sunday school teacher clearly directing it this way, but I feel like my mind just kind of embraced this, that there was the Old Testament where God was a God of law. Um, there were rules, there were rights and wrongs, and it felt like to me there was also punishment because if you don't do what God says, then it just felt like there was some harshness in some things in the Old Testament. Um, so it was the Old Testament and then the New Testament where clearly we see with Jesus' birth the rescue, he's the savior, uh, we get to see him grow up, we hear, we learn about his ministry with people, and then clearly it's all leading to the cross and an empty tomb, and then he goes to heaven, and that was kind of the third part for me, was where heaven and eternity come into play, and what I realized in, in some of this was that I clearly missed Jesus in the Old Testament, that, that was a big aha for me. And I'm wondering about, like, the two of you, like, what 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 were your beliefs regarding the Bible with your younger selves? Yeah, I think I had big misconceptions about God specifically because of what I talked about the Bible. So there were periods of time where I kind of looked at God as the distant deity, you know, Old Testament, like, he's just telling you what I need to do, or the micromanager, like, he is just telling you what to do, I better just follow the rules. Um, or even, you know, the idea of him being kind of like a, a teen grandpa or something like that. <laughs> I like that. Or I just, like, if I just pray a certain way, then he's going to give me what I want, right? And then he comes to the New Testament and he's to Jesus. 
and it seems very different than maybe how I perceive the Old Testament God as being legalistic and moral, like, here's this matter of the moral that we need to follow. And to see God in flesh changes then my understanding of who God is and, and what He's inviting me into. I was thinking when you guys were talking, some of that, the idea of the lens of like God is a God of law, mm-hmm. um, I think that carried over into the New Testament for me at times with Jesus because of the way he talked to the Pharisees. And it was, it was a, I felt like there was a harshness at times when I was reading that. And so that has been a massive change for me of um, beginning to look at what, what does it look like to pick up a lens with the filter of Jesus and go back through scripture with this Paul, um, you know, we've been in acts for a while and we've made kind of this intentional shift to really focusing on Paul himself and what he's saying, his interactions with people. And I love in Colossians when he writes, all things have been created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he's obviously referring to Jesus. So Jesus is the one that's holding this narrative from in the beginning, new, the creation that was then, to the new creation that we all, all will experience one day. Um, Revelation says he's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And I just, that begins to change things for me. Because now it feels more like there's a relationship that he's been in it from the beginning. I haven't, I haven't seen it. And so I love this point. Um, this, the Bible alone provides the context for understanding Jesus. And only Jesus can give us the right understanding of the Bible. And picking up that lens, right? So give me some thoughts on that idea. A doctor who went into some study over in Africa. He was working with a child, and he was learning the language and all this kind of stuff, and realized that they didn't have a word for blue in their language. And so he would hold up a picture of something that was green and something that was blue, and every single time they would say green. And so he created a word for blue and taught it to them, and then held up same pictures, blue and green, and they were able to differentiate between the two colors because they had language for it. 
And I think what you're saying is now your your older self is now like having eyes to see something more clearly and be able to not just say, Oh, green. It's not a little testament, but being able to see Jesus as God in the flesh and, and helping us have language to understand it's really about this relationship. It's not just about moral behavior. think your word context, like that's what this point, I'm going to read it again. The Bible alone provides the context for understanding Jesus and only Jesus can give us the right understanding of the Bible. I think going back in context, you can't just, that's where we get in trouble, right? When we pull just one section out and try to interpret it based solely on what this language right here, right now, under, not understanding who this was written to, when it was written, and in some ways, especially in the Old Testament, removing Jesus out of that, that's where we get in trouble. where it's made a massive change for me in understanding that growing up it was religion. Are you religious was the question, right? Um, are you Christian? Are you religious? And now it's clearly this, and I would say that was probably like in my 30s when I really started to begin questioning, what is this word relationship? Where does this really come? And one of the things that was interesting to me is how Jesus himself taught his own disciples about how to go back into scripture. Um, you have any examples of, think about that idea of what he was trying to teach them about what was written in the scriptures found in the Old Testament?
is that with festivals too, right? Mm-hmm. All of these yeah. festivals that they pass over and festival of lights, and then he basically says, oh, I'm, I'm the boss of the land. I'm the light of the world. And, and to a Jewish audience that he was with, they would have been like, wait a minute, time out. Like, I understood this to be something different, and now you're changing everything for me and giving me new lenses to see in a new light. And the new language, I, there was a, um, I'm going to say uh, The Chosen. I was watching that. Um, uh, you're a fan. Um, there's a moment where he's in the temple and the Pharisee is, they're upset with him as they were. And there's something referenced about um, God's law. And he gets pretty close. He's not angry, but he says, I am the law. And it just disrupts everything. And I'm like, I like that part about Jesus. He comes in and just kind of, you know, he rearranges the furniture a little bit of like, hold on, what what is it that I really, out of doing that, it's I'm asking them myself the question, what is it that I really believe in this? Because that's what he's doing when he's when he's coming in with that. He says um, there's a part where he's, he's teaching his disciples to read the Hebrew Bible in this way. If, and he says, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. And then in, later on, like even in John, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And in Luke, he referenced this, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was what was all in the scriptures was concerning himself. So he's going back. I just, I love the idea that there's a, there's something about, um, I think there's a challenge in that for us to be able to go back with this lens of Jesus and go back through what scripture's saying and where he's found. It's kind of like a good movie. Like, yeah. like a good mystery movie. And like, you don't yeah. know what's happening, you don't know what's happening. At the very end, it's almost like you flip back through all of these scenes of the movie, and you're like, oh my goodness, I get it now. I feel like that's what he did when he showed up. It's, it's a whole Old Testament. There are all these points that you can like flip back and say, oh, wait, there was a thread. This whole redemptive thread was throughout Scripture, and it was Jesus. I think there's a couple of different, like, just real practical ways. And sometimes we decide, um, I think this is an invitation. Let me say that first. Is that it's an invitation to go back into the Bible, the scriptures. There are characters, there are stories written with these individuals that you could pick any one of these individuals and use this lens of Jesus and go and see how did he meet him. 
where was he at in their story? Um, there's a poem called The Red Thread, and it actually goes back through each book of the Bible, and that's what they're doing. It's they're pointing out, like in Genesis, that he's a part of the Trinity, he's in the beginning, he's the promised seed of the woman. Uh, in Exodus, he's the Passover lamb, and if you, like, jumped into Esther, you see that he's the savior of God's people. Um, Psalms, he's the song. Ezekiel, he's the true shepherd. And one of the things I think that would be really cool is if we spent time just even, not over just this next week where we feel like we have to get the right answers, but we give ourselves some space to dive into, hey, I'm going to use this, this lens of Jesus and go back through scripture, maybe between now and even the end of the year. There's plenty of space so that it doesn't feel like another checklist of things that I need to be doing. But allow those things, and even if there's just one thing that you grab a hold of that you've not found, you've not seen before, and you just live in that and sit in that truth, how does that then begin to change how we live, right? So that it's not this panic, I've got to get the right answers, because I feel like that's the, that's the younger Cindy of, I've got to find all the right answers, I've got to live perfectly, right? This is just sitting in the grace and lens of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that um, you kind of started to hit on it was also this idea that our stories fit within the story. And if Jesus is the center of the story, then understanding that my story fits within cover to cover, right? When I open up scripture, that my story fits within this. If he's the center, then he's the center. I want to choose him to be the center of my story, which gets me away from the it's not about me, right, Christy? Yeah, it makes me think of, um, so uh, in college, I dated this guy, Mark, I didn't marry him, he married the best guy, <laughs> but um, I dated this guy, Mark, and he was really into acting and drama and all that stuff, and when we graduated college, we actually uh, got to be in the movie, The Patriot, if you remember, okay, so the younger people who are listening to this podcast have no idea, but Google it, check it out, whatever. But anyway, I was to say, um, I saw him later, and he was like, hey, I, I'm in the movie. I'm like, really? What are you? He's like, I'm an extra. And if you've seen the movie, they literally, I think, only have like 50 extras in the movie, but they're like massive fighting scenes in that movie. Uh-huh. And what they did is they had all these extras, they would do it, and then they would 
do the same thing and they would do a different spot. And so they spliced it all together. And so 50 people actually looked like thousands of people because they just doubled the extras oh, wow. over and over. But his excitement about being an extra in the movie is like, that's us. Yeah. The story is not about us. It's about Jesus. And we get to be the extra. And it's fun. And it's like giving. And it's exciting. And it's a, this adventure. But we're not going to be the I think doing that in community, right, is so important to learn. Like, I can sit at home with my Bible and I can sit and study, but it all becomes even more alive and more real to me when I can sit in community and say, this is what I'm learning. And someone else starts sharing what they're learning. And all of a sudden that, that lens begins to grow for me of who he is and what he does and how he can lead us in the situations in our own lives that we don't know what to do with. I'm curious, um, one of the questions that we've been answering in all of these um, episodes of Revival is, like, what, how is our own understanding of this truth, that Jesus is the center of the story, how has it changed us? How are we living day in and day out in just normal daily life? How how does that change us? How does that impact how we're living? I think it changes my outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's even different. So if, imagine if you like go to your mailbox and there's like this beautiful invitation in it, and you know it says you're closely invited to the National Youth Theater in Washington D.C. and you know, you, you, you're like, oh my goodness, I get to go to this beautiful dinner and sit with, I don't know, the Pope or something. Something amazing, right? And um, and then, like, somebody from Washington calls me and is like, okay, like, what do you want to eat? And here's all the things. And at the end of the conversation, after she gives me all of the details about this invitation, I say, oh, wait, May 11? I've got a dentist appointment. I can't come. Like, of course, we're not going to say that. Like, we're going to go, and it's, we're going to participate in this amazing event and, and dress up and do this whole thing. And, and I think sometimes we miss, I miss, I've been given this invitation from God Almighty to be in relationship with Him. And when my eyes are focused on that, instead of, oh, I've got a dentist appointment, I need to take my turtle to the vet, or whatever the stupid, you know, excuse that I have, it's like my eyes. I'm focused on, no, 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 there's this beautiful invitation, and I want to say yes to that, because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 
I think, I think for me, the changes come in this um, understanding that from cover to cover, it is about relationship, but it is about God who has had from the beginning a desire to be with. Mm-hmm. Like em- we always use Emmanuel, God with us around Advent time. But the truth is Emmanuel, God with us is all the time, 24-7. And that is... I, this phrase, grounding truths, are allowing me to, on the days when uh, the anxiety and panic start to come into situations that I don't have control over, right? It's this pointing me back into, hold on, with. I'm not in this alone. Both in the good moments as well, like he's celebrating and, and laughing, I'm pretty sure, with me and maybe even sometimes at me in those, in those really good moments. But also that when, when life is really hard, he's with right in that with me, right? There's no separate, there's no separation of that. And one of the things that I've learned, um, there's an example of this that is all, it's also changing the way I think day to day is the Psalm 77. There's a, there's an idea of this lens of Jesus and going back and looking at the honesty, the first part of that psalm it starts out with, I yelled at God. So there's a lot of honesty in the first few scriptures. I'm not going to read it all for you or say it all, but I w- it's a great um, exercise to do. Halfway through, it does say, I yell at him and he listens. So there's honesty in that. Then there's this, this one scripture, this one line, and it says, but my thoughts appeal this. And it's this choice, this turning point of this lens of, but hold on, wait a minute. In my past, he has been with. In the panic, he has been with. And my mind, it's this choice of stopping those panicked roller, roller coaster emotions that all of a sudden I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. He has already done this, like what you're talking about. He's, he has been, um, he has done miracles in my life. He has been faithful in my life. And so there's nothing in this current situation that I find myself in where where he's not going to, he cannot not be God, right? So his faithfulness in this moment of being the grace of Cindy, you can be your full honest self and I'm going to listen but then this choice that we have to say, hold on, I'm going to appeal, my own mind's going to appeal what I think I know. And I'm going to go back to, to what I'm remember, I'm choosing to remember of what he's done. Christy? Yeah, it reminds me of not too long ago, I was in a situation and really hurt by somebody. Mm-hmm. And I got into uh, a deep window and the windows were down and I'm on the highway and I'm not somebody who, I'm not a yeller. <laughs> and as I'm driving down the highway, all of this emotion just inside of me, and all of a sudden, I just 
hit the steering wheel. And I said, Fix it, God. I just at the top of my lungs. And I, it was probably a 20-minute drive to my house that day. And I probably, after that, hit the steering wheel and said, Fix it, God. As I'm sobbing, and I pull in my driveway, and I stop the car, and I'm like, Lord, please say something to me in there. And his answer to me was, not, I'll fix it. That person's going to call and say they're sorry, and everything's going to be, you know, tied up in a pretty row. I felt like what the Spirit said to me was, I'm with you. And I think that's what he's saying. It's in the midst of Jesus being the center means that in the midst of whatever is going on, great joy or great grief, right? Anxiety or excitement, whatever the thing is, he's with us in that. Um, and the picture of Jesus coming to earth in flesh and blood is this, is that. It's like a reminder and a visual that he's the center and he's with us. Even when we don't see or or feel, right? We get so hung up on feeling. Well, I don't see God working. I don't see. I don't see how Jesus can come into this thing. It's that. It's that choice. Of that's what Psalm seventy-seven. Towards the end of it, it says, "But I remember, and I see how you parted the water, and I see how we walked through." That word "through" is in several lines towards the end of that psalm. And, at the, and, and yet, this, at the very last of it, it says, and yet I never saw your footprints. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's that trust. Right. The invitation to, to, to choose to believe that, yes, he is in the center of all of it with me. Mm-hmm. Is, that grounding, is that grounding truth that I need daily? I feel like um, C.S. Lewis wraps it up in a, in a great quote. He says, It is Christ himself, not the Bible, who is the true word of God. The Bible read in the right spirit and with the guidance of good teachers will bring us to him. Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about. It's that with. He's with me and I'm with him. And that's the center of the story. Yeah.